you, you are now listening to the project. To the project. To the project. Where we stop at nothing to bring you the right facts on health, fitness, and psychology. Featuring some of the world's most experienced professional professionals. So you can learn, lift, and live with your hosts, Meg, Dr. D, and Mehdi. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of The Project, and we are coming to you live from the Volvo showroom here in Kuwait, and we'd like to give a big thank you to the guys over at Volvo for hosting us here in this amazing venue, checking out these awesome cars over here. Thank you guys at Volvo, we really appreciate it, and enjoy the show. All this and more in today's episode. Would you guys like to hear Dr. Dinka sing? To be fair, when you guys do listen to our show... A lot of our episodes, you'll hear me break out in song That's at the right. beginning of an episode, and that breaks, breaks the ice a little bit. All right? So since it's a psychology-themed thing, I think Dr. D should sing the song, I Feel Pretty. <laughs> who knows that song? Will you sing it for us? Who can get us started like, here? Who can, who can sing it? I don't Come on. Know. Who can get us started? Nobody sings here? I feel pretty. <laughs> oh, so pretty. Oh, so pretty. It's so witty. Come on, guys. Don't leave me hanging here. What's going on? And I pity any girl who isn't me today. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. That's the song, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So who's seen the movie? Who's seen the movie? One person? Yeah, Anger Management. There, there we go. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. My 90s crowd is here now. All right. You guys are in trouble. So let's start this off real quick. What? HBO series popularized psychology in the 90s. Whoever answers this question gets a t-shirt. What? Yeah. We got a winner over there. Whoa. Yay. Here you go, buddy. So we're the Project um, Health, Wellness, and Psychology podcast. Uh, We are available on all of your major streaming platforms. The show is run by me, Dr. D, Haya, Meg, who's also in the United States. We have two episodes a week. One is centered around fitness, and the other one is on psychology. That's right. Something Dr. D is very good at, and I chime in every now and then with some useless You have a lot of knowledge, actually. I taught you a lot of stuff. Yeah, you definitely did. And you still remember it. That's good. She learned a lot, too, in uh, the Drugs, People, and Problems class. I did, yeah. What class is that? But that was with uh, Dr. Connor. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Sensation seeking behavior. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you guys- like a substance abuse class. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, the one thing I remember is the roller coaster thing about how why people like roller coasters. It's the fear of death without the actual death part. Yeah. So, how's COVID for everybody right now in terms of mental health? I mean, you got a free psychologist right now, free service who wants to tell me their feelings. You guys tired of COVID? Yeah. But has it been positive for some people? Yeah. <laughs> In which way has it been positive? More sleep? Was that was a good thing. Sleep. Yeah. Did you say sleep? Wallah. <laughs> I still don't sleep. <laughs> what else could have, how has COVID-19 been positive? More time and family. I agree with that. What else? Why don't you guys come here? I can't hear you. Come. You don't need to stand. <laughs> It's okay, I know him. He's shy. Oh, he's shy. Come, come, so we can hear you with the mask, kind of like it's difficult. More savings, which we're spending now, by the way. <laughs> it was nice, but now it's gone. <laughs> That's true. What else? How else has COVID been nice? No school. At least I don't have to drive my kids to school. That's been an g- amazing feeling. What else? Oh, watching a lot of movies. Netflix made a lot of money. Yeah. And TV shows to catch up on everything. But now we're bored. We don't have anything new. Right? Do you guys think it's reshaped your behavior coming back out into public? Who's, who's again, I'll ask the question, who's scared here? Nobody? Just me? Why are Did you everyone scared? get a swab? Did everyone get a swab before they came here? Why are you scared? I'm anxious. Why, Why are you anxious? Public? I get anxious now. Yeah. I, she, she can yeah. attest to this. I freak out. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, like I what, freak what out. If I lose about? my hand sanitizer, I'm almost crying. <laughs> Poor DJ. No, no, it's true. Yeah. But what are you worried about? Well, I mean, we, we all know that we put these fears in our head and we assume things. And I'm just worried about picking something up and not cleaning my hands and then touching my nose or touching my eye. And just that fear of contracting an illness that I am unaware of. 
the unaware scares me. And it's just, it freaks me out. I get anxious about it. The unpredictable or un, yeah. But if you, if you exercise social distancing, you wear your mask, then there's nothing to worry about. Well, I mean, tell that to me when I'm in the avenues. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know I haven't been to the avenues? It's the only place I don't want to go. Maybe it's my own anxiety, huh? No, but I don't have an anxiety about that. I just don't feel like I need to be in the avenues. Makes sense. Like I want to be in a smaller place. Yeah. Who's been to the avenues here? All of you? My God. (laughs) (laughs) How many have been to the avenues in the afternoon? Is it crowded? Yes? And what do you do? How do you stay away from people? Makes with everyone. Whatever happens, happens. That's really the safest thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows what a hypochondriac is? This is is a psychological term here. Who knows what a hypochondriac is? That's right. When you're obsessed about illnesses. My wife's right here. Ask her if I'm a hypochondriac. (laughs) So do you think it's a bad thing or a good thing? Bad thing. Yes. 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 But isn't there a silver line where it could be a good thing? Because you are overcautious. Hey, I'm trying to justify it right now, all right? <laughs> you can't be hypochondriac and be a good thing. It's a diagnosis in the DSM-5. Not a good thing. No. I got a lot of diagnoses in the DSM-5. But, 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 I mean, think about it. Why is hypochondriac not a good thing? It can get out of hand, right? And then he gets really obsessed about different disorders. And then they, you know, I have these patients that, like, will go from a doctor to a doctor to a lab and a lab. I mean, some people like spend so much money getting different lab results and, you know, test results. And then the person says, there's nothing wrong with you. They'll go to another doctor because they think this doctor doesn't know what they're talking about. And can you imagine living like that? How would that feel like thinking like every time somebody says there's something wrong with them, then you feel like there's something wrong with me also. Just living in that anxiety, you know, it's not healthy at all. So you need to quit your hypochondria. Well, she gets me, she keeps me in check on that stuff, so. Oh, yeah. What do you do, Haya? I don't respond. (laughs) Actually, to be fair, she just tells me to go home. (laughs) No, because also part of that behavior is also attention-seeking. Yeah. So if you don't feed into it. (laughs) Whoa. Oh, burn. 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 Not necessarily with you. So are you my wife or what's going on here? You just throwing me under the bus. I did not specifically said you. If you are projecting, but she's right. It's attention seeking behavior. Anyone who thinks hey just dissed me, raise your hand, please. <laughs> yep, there we go. Yes, there we go. <laughs> she said I was. A- you invited me to be on this panel. This is your own fault. <laughs> You did. <laughs> Moving on, Dr. D. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But no, she's it's right. True. It's true. It is a true statement. And it's one of those things. Personally, it's not attention-seeking for me. Um, because when there is something wrong, I don't go to the doctor. Yeah. And she knows that. When it, see, that's where the treatment happens. Like, when you feel like something is wrong with you, don't go to the doctor. Unless it really gets severe. Because this is what happens. Is that as soon as you go to the doctor, then it feeds into that cycle again, right? The obsession, I need to go to the doctor, I go to the doctor, then I'm okay. And then again, another person says, I have something wrong with me. There's a, a, you know, a bump, a scratch, a cough. And the more you go to the doctor, the more it becomes a problem. So don't go to the doctor. Because it's enabling, And don't give him, exactly, it's enabling. And don't give him attention, so you're fine. Sorry, not attention. We just cured you. I'm not an enabler. There, clarified. So when you do listen to the show on the (laughs) app, you will realize Dr. D is a psycho analyzing me most of the time, too, (laughs) along with everybody else. But also don't Google things. I think Googling Uh, for hypochondriacs is really bad. Um, it's something, once you go down that rabbit hole, you know, all of a sudden, you know, 20 minutes later, you're like, oh my God, I'm going to die. When in reality, you didn't seek medical attention. You didn't Mm -hmm. get the proper test done. And, you know, you just go down that rabbit hole of Google and it just can be really bad. And I think we've all been there. I mean, Google can have good benefit. Like if you're trying to search for something to understand, but with people I work with, like, So you'll give them, for example, they have a medication and then they'll go Google it. And then, of course, you know, pharmaceutical companies wants to be comfortable and they want to make sure that they cover all their aspects. So they're going to be, you know, 0.1% of person that can have certain side effects from medication. And and then that 0.1%, the person kind of like researches it and it comes and says, 
oh my God, it says I'm going to do have this, I'm going to have this. It's addictive, especially with psychotropic medications, right? And then that's when I say, stop Googling. You can't research this stuff because you're not a medical person. You don't understand. And actually, even Panadol, if you research it, there is a 0.1% that says you could be addicted to it. It can give you some side effect. Actually, it can also have an effect on your liver. So the idea is, is that anything you can Google, you'll find some sort of a side effect. But people get really obsessed with this Google thing that I feel like we need to stop. We should use it. Not everything is black and white. There should be some moderation. You should get the information. But at the same time, I don't think you need to research everything. It's, it, you can get, become obsessed. You know, a headache. You get a headache, you Google. Why do I have a headache? It can give you a lot of reasons why you have a headache, which might not be why, why you have a headache. Right now, medicine is showing us that the best medicine is through movement, taking care of our bodies, and just overall health and well-being. With COVID and with what Dr. D was talking about, the benefits, who actually, like, who tried to start some new movement strategy during the lockdown? Anyone? Yeah, I mean, I started uh, off with, like, uh, different programs with, uh, like, physical movement. And I felt like they, they, ultimately, they change your perspective on sorts of things. Like, if you were going out and you're feeling anxious, for example, like you said, when you were scared to be in public places because of COVID, I found that, like, moving around constantly throughout the day and having, like, a set time where you would work out and stuff, uh, it would decrease the level of anxiety that you'd feel and Overall, your relationships with other people also tend to get better. But that was a huge difference, I felt. No, and it's true. I mean, movement does release endorphins, makes us feel better, makes us feel more confident. Who else? Who else would towards the movement exercise strategy during the lockdown? Because let's face it, it's real easy. Say, okay, I'm in lockdown. I can sit on a chair all day and watch, you know, friends reruns for the next two or three weeks. So who chose Friends reruns and who chose running around outside? Or, well, around the perimeter of their house. <laughs> what? Mixture of both. Mixture yeah. of both, yeah. Yeah, that was probably, that was probably for the, the better part of most of us. But who went out for walks during the uh, one-hour like release time? I did, yeah. Yeah? Who saw the benefit in that? Who enjoyed it? It's nice yeah. seeing other people during, like, it was more about yeah. seeing other people than the actual walking. Because mm. you get tired of those people. You're <laughs> she got tired of seeing me every day. <laughs> Didn't stop her from going on walks. <laughs> so it was just nice to like, and then everyone walked. Even before this year, I would never go out on walks here. Uh, my entire movement was like either in the gym or sports. But I saw so many people walking that never walked before. Who else wants to share a little story about their walks? I mean, for instance, I taught my son how to ride a bike. During our walks. I, I loved it. I love that time. Who else? Crickets. More crickets. Kickboxing and Muay Thai as a family. Okay. Which one of your brothers did you kill first? <laughs> Actually, that reminds me. The other day I was driving by where, you know, we were walking. And I kind of missed that because now we're out. there's cars everywhere, right? And then nobody's walking anymore. And in a way, I feel like it was so nice to not have anybody drive. Everyone was walking, life was simpler, and we were able to, you know, discover different areas in my neighborhood, at least. Like, there were things, like, I never would have realized if I wasn't forced to walk for two hours instead of driving. So the other day, I was thinking, oh, you know, I really miss those times where we had two hours where you walked, you saw everyone else walking, things, you know. And now, like, no one's walking, and no one walks in the neighborhood except, like, one person, she's still walking. But it's like... It's so sad in a way because now we're like back to that like rush life where we're rushing from one place to another to do this, to do that. And at that time, I felt like it was so simple. You know, I, I taught online and then I put my gym shoes on. I took my kids and we walked and, and you could walk in the street. You don't have to worry about your kids crossing because there's nobody else driving. And, and you finally get to meet your neighbor that, you know, you hardly ever need, meet now. So in a way, I kind of miss it. So you were talking about slowing down, and I know during COVID, everyone was talking about how it's mm. nice to kind of mm. press that pause button. So I want to know, did any of you take that and implement it into your lives now, pressing that pause button or spending more time with your family? 
or slowing down a little bit or went straight back into it. That's so sad. (laughs) It was nice to have a pause. It's nice to not run and be committed. It was nice to like wake up and not have any other commitment except my classes or my clients. I don't know. I feel sad that we have to go back so quickly. Yeah. So in a way, COVID was nice for me because I felt like it calmed me down. And because, you know, I work many jobs, if you know anything about me. And I am everywhere. And of course, I have the teaching and then I have the clinic and then I have consulting. I feel like I didn't even see my kids. And suddenly it was so nice for someone to force me to have that pause. And I now I feel like we're going back again. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to get back into that yeah. cycle, though. Yeah, it Because is. as soon as like we're out, there's almost this pressure to keep going and moving and not stopping. Mm-hmm. And COVID was a nice excuse, but now that everything's open again, there's almost a guilt if you slow down again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's stopping people from taking that break. But I mean, if you learn something from it, for instance, I learned that I enjoy spending time with my son more. And I still try to practice our morning walks every morning, even if it's for 10, 15 minutes. You know, these are the small things that I appreciated about COVID that it taught me to slow down and try to continue that mentality. And much of that even goes to my fitness life and my, my wellness life and how I deal with myself. And I think right now we're heading into like, you know, the tougher time of the year. Dr. D, we were talking about this the other day where it's, uh, you know, it's the season, it's winter, days are shorter. It's a little bit tougher on the bones if you're a little bit older, especially working out feel like everything's breaking, you're tired all the time. So has the weather shifted anyone else's mentality in here? Show of hands, anyone? Yeah. Do any of you like feel like you don't want to do anything in the winter? Like it's, it's cold, right? And you feel like you don't want to get up in the morning. You feel like you don't have the energy. And when you go to bed, you're freezing and your body is like a box, right? And so do you guys notice that you have a mood change when it's winter versus summer? How many of you like winter, though? How many of you do not like winter? Yeah. When we say you don't like winter, what is it you don't like about it? It's cold. What else? Gets dark early. That's right. So our melatonin gets decreased, right? Do you ever like feel like sad? You feel like no energy. You don't want to see anyone. We want to hibernate in the house. It takes energy to put clothes on. Get excited about any events. And so if you do, I mean, it doesn't mean, you know, there's a lot of other symptoms, but we call that, it's part of depression, but it's called, you know, seasonal affective disorder, where people only get depressed starting in the fall until March, which is the spring. And then they feel very happy after March until September, October. And then October, their mood starts to decrease, where they just, you know, feel depressed and feel like they are, you know, don't feel like motivated to do anything. So, I mean, depression, I don't know. A lot of people talk about depression as of like, I mean, a lot of people throw the word depression around, like, you know, I'm depressed, but technically you have to meet certain criteria to be depressed. But there are people that are just depressed during winter time and not during summertime. And so if you're one of those people that, I mean, it doesn't mean that you are, but if your energy gets lower, you want to sleep more, you lose interest in a lot of activities, you know, during the winter then you're probably feeling the same thing as people that, you know, have these seasonal affective disorder. So the sunlight affects it. That's why when people have seasonal affective disorder, there's a um, a V light that they use during the winter so that way they can replace the melatonin. So the idea is, is that because it's getting darker, so we're not getting as much as serotonin increased, melatonin increases. So that's what makes them more depressed. So it has a lot to do with the sunlight. And it has a lot to do with the happy hormone or whatever you guys call it, neuropinephrine and serotonin. So they are not activated as much. And light really activates a lot of our happy hormones. So the less it is, and if you have genetic, like if you're already genetically inclined to be depressed because it's in your family, you know, people that have genetic depression, then they could actually have a seasonal. Women after babies, they can have postpartum. So they're more at risk and no sunlight. That's why one of the, uh, the way to treat that, like the seasonal depression, is, is to have a light. There's a certain light you can order. A lot of our patients have to be on it, you know, at least an hour a day so they can replace some of that light, missing the light. 
I wonder what the be uh, the uh, behavioral therapist over there has to say about all this. Um, she's done a, a stint with psychology in the states. I'm going to call her out. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She Hannah, should be on, here. Jump in. Come. Yeah, yeah. Jump in over here. Come. Well, we left a chair open. We left a chair. So, uh, it's got your name all over it. Are you shy? Are you suffering from sad? <laughs> I think you are. Are you not feeling motivated right now? Let the therapist speak. I think she's shy. It's all right. You can chime in. You're smart. Yeah. Tell me. I'm I'm curious to what your take is on what we're talking about. On seasonal affective? Yeah, on on seasonal affectiveness disorder. So you're a practicing behavioral therapist? Okay. And do you see people are depressed or what kind of... Oh, you work with children. Stay that way. Adults are complicated. (laughs) She's absolutely amazing, by the way. Oh, well, I'm sure... He's promoting you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is a publicity stunt. He's doing well. <laughs> and you haven't changed his behavior? Wow. I have tried for three years. <laughs> Look, I've been trying since 2006. When did I meet him? Didn't work. And then I decided I'll just join. Why, why change? <laughs> Be a, you know, what was that saying? You know. <laughs> really yeah, we all that. did. <laughs> we were happy. Hey, I said yes. <laughs> she was at AUK at the same time, and I said thank you so much. <laughs> this is much needed. Yeah, you were the only one. <laughs> yeah, but we love him. You know, we can't live without Matthew. I know everybody loves me, but that's all good. Real quick question, though, for everybody here. Who thinks psychology has become more mainstream in Kuwait? Yes, please. Who thinks it's okay to say, hey, I'm seeing a therapist right now? Mm. Is that uh, stigma still there? I've seen an increase in my caseload, actually, since COVID. And a lot of times people are either feeling lonely or worried about, you know, having corona or, you know, losing people for... And also that their grief. Remember... The idea is, is that you're griefing the ability to be out. So when suddenly we're not able to see our friends or our family and we're locked in the house, that's a lot of, you know, grief, you know, that's a loss. It's true. But, you know, people have become more educated. Do you guys still think it's stigma to go to a psychologist? No. If you need to go to a psychologist, would you guys go? Yeah. And now you can do it online. No one will know you're doing it. You know, before people like, oh, I don't want to come to the office. I might see someone that knows me. And now most people are using the service. You know, we have this telehealth now, apps that we could do. I'm in Sahiti, so, and it's nice. People can book online. And actually, Sahiti is for all doctors. So you can like book online and you can consult with an, you know, an, a doctor or you can consult with a therapist, a psychologist, whatever you want. And no one will know because it's like very private. And, and no one, you know, you could be in your room talking to me and no one would know that or any other doctor. So I'm glad that we're having, we're sophisticating in that area, just in case people feel leery about coming to the office. How about we move into 2021? Uh-huh. Who thinks it's going to be a good year? Who's ready to see some aliens? Come on. <laughs> Who's ready to see some aliens? I know we're all ready for that one. Hear that or like an atomic bomb, something. <laughs> I don't know. Someone said it can't get any worse. And I looked at him. I was like, dude, don't say that. Do not say those words right now because I think it can. But moving into the new year, you know, we're all luckily right now. The gyms are have reopened. You know, we got life rolling again. Who's looking at, you know, the positive 2021, the positive side of it? Who's starting to formulate some, you know, wellness goals? You know, let's not let's not call it. I want to get skinny and look like the person in the magazine because no, they're on a bunch of drugs and plastic only, surgery. That was the only thing on my steroids list. Steroids <laughs> and genetics and all that stuff. But who has realistic, attainable goals? And you know, I could throw it to the HR specialist down there. I mean, he probably knows about performance, key performance indicators. But in general, though, who's ready to start the new year off right? From a wellness perspective, what's one wellness thing you're aiming to do in 2021? You thought of that at all? <laughs> Such a broad question, right? There's so many different aspects. Well, have you guys thought about 2021? I mean, it's only like a couple more days. <laughs> no? You don't want to think about it? No. This time you're not thinking about it? So you've learned a lesson from 2020? <laughs> <laughs> so why prepare for anything? Sounds like a good idea. Huh. 
So 2021, you know, the, yesterday, my, my son is in boarding high school. So yesterday, he, uh, while we were on FaceTime, so he, he showed me that he and his cousins were working on this vision board. I was like, oh, that's nice. I'm glad that, like, you know, you're 15 and you're thinking about vision board. And he had, like, pictures of things that he's going to try to work on for 2021. It's nice. None of them said he was going to lose weight, but it's okay. <laughs> So he was like, I'm going to be a better person and have more friends. I want to have this style of clothing. What else? Uh, some stuff were expensive for mom. So I said, we need to remove it. And I'm going to travel. He said, I'm like, well, great. I'm glad you're traveling. Who's paying, you know? <laughs> so it's like, but it was nice. I think we should all have a vision board. Yeah. He's 15 and he had one. And then he said, mom, do you have one? I said, no, I'm just happy we're going into 2021. <laughs> Who's circling their ideas of wellness around weight? Who thinks weight is an indication of good health? Weight? Weight, like your body weight. Who thinks body weight is an indication of good health? Does anyone? Okay, if you're not over the age of 30, do not follow me on Instagram. (laughs) All right, let's get that out there, okay? And if you are with any of the brands that I've dissed in the last two years, I'm sorry. Okay. But no, in general, I just want to put it out there that when we do set our wellness goals, or our health and wellness goals for the coming year, we have to be realistic and we have to know that weight is not the single and most important indication that we are healthy individuals and that we are leading a healthy lifestyle. You can see some skinny people that are leading a very unhealthy lifestyle and they are doing everything in the book that is almost wrong by indications of health, by consuming of you know 800 calories per day and taking diet pills and doing all these weird, crazy things that you see on social media and in magazines, that's not health. Health is a very well-rounded approach to your day-to-day life from sleep, food, uh, mobility, and just moving better and thinking of it's not how I look, but what I can do. That's my line. I stole it from you. Like, she can lift about 350 pounds off the ground, like 160 kilos off the ground. Kuwait's strongest woman right here. Hands down, she's Kuwait's strongest woman. She has several records in Battle of the East. She has broken her left arm in two different places. And she has rehabbed herself back in less than a year and is competing in two weeks. And she is like the perfect example of what your body can do and the fitness level that we should try to strive to get to so that we can be capable of leading a healthy life well into our 60s and 70s. But that's it. I think the goal here isn't necessarily I want to look a certain way, but I want to move a certain way. I want to be able to go up and down the stairs comfortably when I'm 80. I want to be able to get up and down chair when I'm older. Fitness isn't looking a certain way. It's making sure that your bones and your joints and your muscles will help you move when you're older. So you're not scared if you fall, you're going to break your hip because you know that you've built it enough to, to hold you. And for women, it's more important because you guys are more prone to osteoporosis. Yeah. Women lose bone density at a much higher rate than men, but strength training increases your bone density. She is a trainer and she offers a class called Booty and Barbells. Okay. <laughs> I, I teach you how to squat, deadlift, and pull. She wanted women to feel empowered by holding a barbell, mm-hmm. but when you give them a barbell, they get scared and they don't want, they say, they, we don't want to get bulky. But in reality, our genetic, genetic makeup between a female and a male is completely different. And she did a really smart thing by saying booty and barbells because no offense, ladies, everyone's like, oh, booty. Okay. I'm going to jump on that train. And barbells. And and barbells. (laughs) So yeah, I'm going to stop there. (laughs) Quick exercise. Think of one aspect of your lifestyle right now that you want to change in 2021 from a health perspective. Think of one aspect, one small thing, whether it's tying your shoes so your lower back doesn't hurt or reaching up above your head and getting your arms to extend fully up. Think of one aspect that you want to work on for 2021. All right, take a minute, think about that, and let's share. All right, a little less than a minute. Okay, too quiet for me. Um, Who's got something? 
You drink a lot of sodas? Okay. So you want to stop drinking soda. So as Meg would say, don't cut something out, add something something in. in. Yeah. So a good thing is instead of programming your mind to say, I need to stop drinking A, B, C, and D, reprogram it saying, I'm just going to drink more water. So your mind is thinking more instead of less. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, Meg. 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 Yeah, we got a lot. (laughs) Anyone else? Something that they want to change. Look, you could say, I want to lose weight. I want to tone up. Those are the number one questions I always get asked as a trainer is, coach, how do I tone up? Well, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. You know, it's why do you want to tone up? What do you want to do to get there? If you want to look like the guy in the magazine, well, it's really difficult. You know, if you want to run better, increase, you know, your capacity and your endurance, well, that's easy. You just have to be consistent. But consistent at what? Is it go to the gym on January 1st and say, all right, you know, I'm going to do this whole health thing. I'm going to go do a CrossFit class. You go do CrossFit for the first time, you get the wrong trainer, you go and you run five kilometers. Guess what? You're going to hurt the next day. And you think you're going to go and do it again? All right. Now flip it to, I want to get healthier. I want to increase my VO2 max. I want to do this, my conditioning, everything. I'm going to take a walk around the neighborhood on January 1st. Which one are you more likely to do more consistently for the rest of that month? Doing the 5K run every day or walk around the block and then slowly increasing it? To be fair, it's not just CrossFit out there, guys. I mean, who's, who's familiar with CrossFit? Does anyone know what it is? Okay. Anyone else? All right. If you try CrossFit, you will not get hurt. Okay. I just want to put that out there because you'll hear that. But it's not just CrossFit. There's F45. There is uh, yoga, there's Pilates. There's, there's booty and barbells. Booty and barbells. Do you offer that class to guys too? I can. I can teach anybody the foundations of barbell work. What about booty work? Booty work. <laughs> I want the booty. Even men can work booty on their booty. To a strong lift. <laughs> Don't underestimate. But the point is, is not to be dogmatic about one thing out there. And a lot of the fitness industry, when we get into a fitness modality, Sometimes we dive deep down that rabbit hole. And we only stay with that where it's only calisthenics. I was guilty of this. You know, I'll, I'll come out and say the beauty about the project is I have talked to professionals from all over the world and it has changed my perspective. And now I'm more open to listen to anything. Like if you say bodybuilding, I'll say, yeah, bodybuilding is great. If you're looking for like hypertrophy or whatever, or F45, my cousin introduced me to that last year. And I think she was shocked when I said, wow, that's actually pretty good. I, I like that. That sounds like something that's really fun. The thing is to find something that you're going to enjoy and can be consistent about when you're leading into 2021 and setting those goals into a realistic perspective. And if your goal is weight loss, I mean, because 90 to 100% of us want that, don't go for a kilo a week. It's not one kilo a week. That's extremely difficult. Go for 0.25 a week or even less, do it the healthy way. And this is coming from a guy that weighed 130 kilos at one, 120 kilos at one point. And I lost that weight in what, two years? Two years it took me to kind of take that weight off. Then I got into CrossFit and that's where I was like, all right, I love this as a sport. I want to be competitive. And my coach told me it's going to be a long, grueling process. And I did the boring stuff. I had small, small wins. So who thinks they could set a goal for small wins within the first two months of the year so that they can stay consistent throughout the rest of the year? What's a small goal someone could share with us that they thought of right now that they could set for 2021? Something small that they can achieve within a month and that snowball for the rest of the year, assuming the aliens don't eat us. Taking your pills? Okay. Yoga twice a week? All right. Yoga is really good, but really difficult for people like me. Now, here's a question. How could you hold yourself accountable? Where is your level of accountability to yourself? Results. How can we measure it? There we go. There we go. I'm guessing marketing. Ah, That's why. (laughs) See, it's marketing people with the brains back there. Sorry, no, no diss on HR. I am HR, by the way. I do human resources, but I'm not as good as that guy. He's marketing. Your HR as well? All right. Yeah, they'll, they'll fire people. But yeah, I mean, if you, if you do that and you set those objectives, but what makes you feel accountable at the end of the day? Like for me personally, 
after a workout, I do CrossFit competitively. After a workout, if I go in the mirror and I'm disappointed in myself, I can't sleep. I'm tossing and turning. You know, it's the, the man in the mirror. You guys ever measure yourself in that, in that way, just out of curiosity? No? All right. Who says yes? There we go. That's what I'm talking about right there. Throw the scale away. One thing you said that was very, um, makes sense is like, I think people are not realistic. Like this is like a student who's getting a D and says to me, how can I get an A? And we only have two more weeks left for the semester. That's not realistic, right? And not everyone is meant to get an A and not everyone is supposed to be a B person. I mean, we all have our own capabilities. Not everyone's going to be a doctor. Not everyone's going to be a lawyer, an engineer. We all have different skills and we all have to be able to tap into that. So I think like New Year's resolution, like I never do them to be honest, just because I feel like, and I tell my clients never to do them because I feel like they're unrealistic. And a lot of times people put really high goal, like I'm going to lose 50 pounds by, I don't know what, and it doesn't make sense. I think we need to be honest with ourselves. And I think a lot of people are not honest with themselves. We all want to be able to look like, you know, that supermodel that's on TV or the guy that has a six pack. And, you know, I'm never going to be a size zero. Genetically, I'm not going to be. I love food too much. And I just realized, you know, all my life I thought, oh, I could just do it. And then I realized it doesn't make sense to me. And I have to be honest with myself and I have to understand that these are my capabilities. So if more of you could be honest with yourself of the things that you really can do, Instead of thinking of all the awesome things you can achieve, which you could sometimes later, but you know, just be realistic and then you won't be disappointed. I think we put a lot of high standard for ourselves and other people and we're constantly disappointed in life. And that's probably one of the biggest reasons why people become depressed is that they're disappointed. They're disappointed at themselves. They're disappointed at the people around them because we have high expectation. And I usually tell people, look, Look at expectation as zero to five, five being high expectation, zero being none. You should stay between the one and two. That's it. So zero, one, two, that's expectation. You go up to five, you're risking. You're going to be disappointed, which in return makes you feel awful and terrible and angry and frustrated. And then we're depressed again. So keep it that. So the same thing as you require that of people, you should do that yourself. So no, it doesn't make sense that I'm going to lose 20 kilo. This year, I would love to, but that ain't going to happen. But I know that I could do five kilo a month or in two months or three months. I know my capability. Look, Mehdi always wants me to go to the gym, which it should be a good idea. I mean, and sometimes I ask him. So he says, you should go to the gym. You would like it. And I say, Mehdi, look, I have to be honest with myself. A, I don't like gyms at all. And B, I like to work out in the house. I have a trainer who comes, works out. I finish, I take a shower, and then I see my students virtually. That's, it's realistic for me. Me going, taking my bag, going to the gym, working out, and then seeing someone I know, and then they want to ask me about their problem. I don't want that. And I'm, you know, not that I'm a private person, but I just like my time for me. And so it's realistic. So to go and, you know, I could convince myself to do CrossFit, but I won't continue. I think real, be realistic, and it's okay. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to realize that you are only capable of doing certain things, and then you'll be more successful. It goes true to hey a sport. I think this is one of the most uh, difficult sports, which is you know powerlifting. Well, I mean, look, it's it's difficult for them, but easy for CrossFitters. Okay, we we demolish the powerlifters. All right, but no, she's she works all year to put half a kilo on additional on the bar. Some people will work three years to add their max weight or their PR, their personal best, a quarter kilo. And, you know, these are guys that have done it their whole lives. But that's what all sports, though. You're always trying to get a little bit faster or a little more accuracy or there's always just small little adjustments you can make in sports or even in, in academia or whatever you're doing. Like just what we're talking about. It's not these huge changes you should be looking at but these small incremental ones that are going to eventually add on and snowball into something else. Mm -hmm. That's what the focus should be on. No, it's true. And I, I got a question for all the uh, corporate people here tonight, the guys that work in big companies. Who thinks the, the goals that the organization sets for them are realistic throughout the year? Definitely not. All right. Who doesn't think the goals that are set for them 
throughout the year are achievable. Who thinks they overshoot? Who thinks corporate over? Yep, that we got one hand. In. Come on, marketing, really? Oh my God, there's so much pressure was put on me when I was in marketing. And it was all done by HR. <laughs> like this, HR would sign off on the KPIs and the KPIs would be so unattainable, like a 30% increase in sales. It's like, dude, are you, you kidding me? Are you giving me like a 30% higher budget to deal with throughout the year? I mean, realistically, and that's going to happen in every corporation. It does happen. And even with classes, I mean, I'm sure you guys see Dr. Dinko be like, look, I want this standard. And you're like, dude, that standard's so hard to achieve, right? We all no, think, I think students. I don't have a standard for my student, but I have standard for the quality of work that they got to do, which is like, you know, attainable, I think, if they put some effort. I don't think that other people put high expectation on us. I think we put our high expectations. But corporate usually puts really high expectations, right, over there? But they there? probably think they're attainable, right? no? If you're able to move beyond that disappointment and make it drive you, and I think it's true. I think we, I mean, you know, I think about my life and the reason I've become the person I've become because I was so disappointed in life many, many times, actually. And sometimes big ones, sometimes small ones. And it has made me a better person. It made me a strong person. It's created resiliency in me. Uh, I know there's nothing is going to happen to me that I can't handle. And because of my disappointments. But at the same time, I think that those disappointments, I could have, maybe I should have just lowered them a little bit or, or dealt with them differently. But you're right. I think disappointment makes us better. It taps in into our psychological immune system, which is the resiliency, and therefore makes you stronger, if you could do that. So I think background genes, personality traits really play a big role on the way we handle disappointments. But you're right. I don't think we're going to live life without disappointment. But I think it's not the disappointment we can avoid, but how we deal with them is very important. How many of you have been disappointed in your life? I'm sure a lot of you, right? They're so terrible, these disappointments, especially when it comes to like relationships where you like really trusted someone and you loved someone and then they disappointed you or like your parents disappointing you because they promised or they, you thought that they were going to be a safe zone and they're not, or your friends, they're not there. It's an ugly feeling, but it happens, right? Who gets disappointed in their bosses? <laughs> oh, sorry. You guys, you guys can't. Answer I can't that. answer that either. No, okay. Oh, you can't answer that either? No, of course not. She's, not she's my boss. I get disappointed all the time. <laughs> but my, my feelings don't matter. But no, it's honestly. I'm, I'm not... just joking. I'm just joking. I think when you're disappointed with your boss, what do you do then? Yeah, what do you do? <laughs> you do not want to ask me. Because... What can you do when you're disappointed at your boss? Like get rid of your boss? No, you just tell him straight up. I'm disappointed at you? Fired and he's gonna that. say and he's gonna say whatever. I got sent home a couple times. Because you told your boss you're disappointed at him? Yeah, I told him what I thought. And you went home. No, Did he, he change? sent me home. Did he change? Uh, yeah, he stopped talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't change. You went home. No, he sent me home. I know. So and then I'm... he didn't talk to me. Exactly. So that doesn't help to tell your boss you're disappointed in him. What you need to do is learn to deal with your boss's disappointment. Yeah, but if he's an idiot. Learn to deal with him being an <laughs> I mean, idiot. Come on. We all go through those moments where we're like walking away. We're like, oh, man, he's such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, he ain't listening to this podcast. All right? And and it's and I have a new boss now, so he's cool. He's cool. Abdella, if you're listening, yeah, man, you're awesome, dude. <laughs> no, I mean, but those are those are things that sometimes that I have done that other people won't do. Where if I truly believe in what I'm doing, I back it up 100 percent and I move forward with it. And sometimes my management or my managers, they didn't like what I had to say. They didn't like the reality of what I was saying. And they didn't like that the process was going to take three months and not one month, which we all know sometimes is the case. And it's like everything in life now we want it's like... But that's about managing expectations more than like managing disappointment. Yeah. Because then so you like have to you're... set up the conversation and set those boundaries and yeah. say that these are the expectations for everybody, and then you move from there. Yeah, like an evaluation. Well, you're in HR, right? Do you evaluate people? I'm sure people have been disappointed at you. Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't people, you evaluate pe people? People hate me. Yeah. But people so you really said, hate me. So, I mean, even at, even at a UK, for example, like my boss says, this is my expectation at the end of the year evaluation. Like, you should publish, you should do all these things. So I, I'm assuming, well, academically, they're giving me expectation that within my academic realm, I should be able to do 
So I already know from the beginning of the year, this is the standard. Now, if I don't do it, I don't get fired. Obviously, I've still been there 16 years later. But, you know, it's nice to have a goal. But the, the rain down in the corporate world, you know, it starts with the idea at the top. It trickles all the way down. And by the time it gets down to you, it's something that's almost unrealistic to happen. And, you know, sometimes it is realistic, but a lot of the times it's not realistic. And it's very difficult. And it leads to a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And then when you go and you ask for more of a budget or you ask for more time or this or that, it says, no, we're, you know, we need to meet Q1 or Q2. So managing those expectations, sometimes you can manage your boss's expectations, but can you manage his boss's expectations mm-hmm. and his boss's? You know, I mean, for us, for where I work, it's like we don't see the upper tiers, you know, and sometimes mm-hmm. you don't. But at the end of the day, like, Sometimes you got to tell your boss what's up. And fortunately for me, I haven't gotten fired yet. Yeah. Come very close lucky. to it. Well, you very got sent close. home. Sent home's okay. Sent home is okay. You've sent me out of your class a couple I times. I have many times. Oh, you want to tell no, them when two I, times, two I times. kicked you out twice? Twice. Oh, once was the cell phone. You know, I kicked them out of my class. I, I was messaging. Would you like to know her? why? Yeah, go ahead. Tell them. Would you want me to tell them when I was messaging her and you took Yeah, exactly. Her? I was messaging her because <laughs> we were going to go to Subway. Oh. On, in my class, he's making plans. I was setting up a lunch date. Hello. <laughs> I was trying to get married. <laughs> and then the second time, I almost got into a fist fight with my partner in a project because he didn't do anything in the presentation. And because of that, I have changed the guidelines for the presentation. Because <laughs> <laughs> literally, I almost threw a haymaker at this guy. <laughs> yes. She sent us both out of the class into a class by ourselves where we were this close to just going ham on each other. And it turned into me saying, dude, look, I want to salvage whatever I can out of this grade. So just get out of my face. But I said it in a completely different way. Uh, You can imagine what I said. Went back into the class. I delivered the presentation. He didn't deliver anything in that presentation. And Dr. Dinka still gave me the same exact grade she was going to give me, which was a C, which should have been an A. And it was on the Sopranos. Obviously, he's still harboring some anger issues. Oh, 100%. 10 years later. 100%. The, the, uh, the presentation was on the Sopranos. It was the uh, seagull or the pigeon flying away with Tony Soprano's uh, private parts about male fallacy. And you thought I was going to give you an A for that? It was a good presentation. <laughs> it was on masculinity. Oh, well, good. I'm Who glad. thinks that's a good presentation? Yeah, there we go. That's what I'm talking about over there. My students know I don't just give A's. You got to earn A's. And those are hard to get. But you've learned a lot because of these experiments that I put you through. Well, we are running one of the best fitness podcasts, health and wellness podcasts in the Middle East right now and in Kuwait. That's right. You know, we're we're 200 episodes deep. Uh, We got many more coming out down the pipeline. And, you know, it's, it's, we really appreciate you guys being a part of that right now. We really appreciate Volvo inviting us in here to talk about mental health, something Mm -hmm. that's really not discussed Mm -hmm. in public. And that's what the project's all about. It's breaking these barriers so that we can hopefully create a better society for everybody. That's right. That's when you guys clap. (laughs) There we go. I got to coach that cue. I paid them, just so you guys know. <laughs> any so questions, any guys? Questions? Any questions about psychology that I could answer? Fitness, health, wellness. 2021. How to lose 50 pounds in two weeks. How to not lose and gain weight. Does anyone ever put anything on their list, like how to gain 20 kilo next year? Like, I, I always want, why is it always like they want to lose weight? Why is it never like I want to gain weight? If you're a weightlifter, or someone that struggles, like they're, they're something, it's called a hard gainer oh. in the fitness industry, and they exist. They just can't put on muscle mass. It's tough. It's mm. really difficult. And at that point, sometimes you really just got to look at your exercise programming. If your program is off and you're not doing the right exercises that complement your body, sometimes that's going to set you back more than the food that you're eating. Should we tell everybody to go try CrossFit? Yeah, you guys should all give CrossFit a chance. I thought it's or powerlifting. It's a it lot f- more fun. You get more rest. I, I think powerlifting, <laughs> but CrossFit still exists? Yes. Yeah, yes, CrossFit <laughs> exists. CrossFit will always exist. As long as I can walk on my hands, it better exist. 
I, I thought it was a dying sport. See, your knees, your knees will because that comes into recovery. You know, if you're recovering well, you know, you're all right. Are you recovering well? Oh, no. My, my recovery lately has been horrible. <laughs> like, I'm the first to say. But it's been a struggle. When you go hardcore, you know, it catches up to you after a few months. You know, if you hit personal bests and PRs and your weights keep climbing, eventually your body will put on its own brakes and say, hey, stop, guys. You know, so, like, stop. Like, this is it. Let's wait. Take 10 days off. And if you try and go back, you're just going to get frustrated. You know, sometimes I stare at a barbell and I'm like, I'm going to cry because I can't do this right now when I was doing it a week ago. But that's when you have to recalibrate your mindset and go back to the basics. And then three weeks later, you know what? You're doing double the weight. So it's always about taking those small steps. Sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back, and it works. You know, sometimes it's one step forward and you just keep moving along. But again, it depends on your genetics, your mindset, the time you allocate for these things, and what you're willing to put in. For me, CrossFit, I do it competitively. So am I going to do this my whole life? No. It's not for health and wellness, the way I do CrossFit. Now, other people do CrossFit for health and wellness, so they can move better. That I'm an advocate about. I'm an advocate about anything where it gets you moving, to be honest. You know, as long as you're moving, you're doing something right. And as long as you're moving some weight around, you're doing good things. And I would advocate strongman. Has anyone tried strongman here? No, moving heavy, weird objects. That to me translates more than going in and doing bicep curls. It's picking up big, you know, stone balls, atlas balls, sandbags, uh, yoke walks, overhead pressing. These are things that you'll do every day in life and that actually carry over versus doing a bicep curl. You know, when has everybody ever told you to curl the, uh, curl your grocery bag into the house? Not going to happen often, but happy new year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Everyone who I owe money to, you can just make a line over here for clapping. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. Oh, wait. T-shirt time. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at The Project Thank You and join us next time.